Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedrico and Daniel Coca. Hello, welcome to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Our guest today is Julie Holly, the founder of Three Keys Investment, which is a company that helps people find their freedom through multifamily real estate investing. In our conversation today, Julie really explains why it's important to keep investing even when economic conditions seem less than ideal. And while it may seem prudent to hold off on investing in real estate in the midst of this current economic climate, Julie argues that you can invest wisely no matter what's happening in the markets, and that if you don't invest at all, you are losing money. In our episode, Julie shares her perspective on the ways that rising rates are impacting investor behavior in both residential and multifamily real estate. And she explains how she's continuing to find opportunities, overcoming fear and doubt, and she shares her best advice for staying grounded, becoming a more confident investor, and prioritizing the things that matter most to you. This is a very insightful and inspiring conversation where we dig into mindset, economics, real estate, and investing, a truly holistic approach to building wealth. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the podcast. Adapia, I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, we should have just been recording all of our off-air conversation. I know, <laughs> I know we should have. I know. Well, it also gave us like such great inspiration and insight for like mm-hmm. how to start the conversation and where we want to and where we want to get it going. And so let's start. I'm actually really curious to hear, you know, in your world right now, like what you're seeing with, you know, with real estate, with your with the investing side of what you're up to. Right. So I invest in large scale apartment complexes across the country, not in any central location. I, I, it's very market dependent. And so that really gives me a different scope of what's taking place because you can really start to see the patterns as to what is shaping up out there and hearing the, the chatter and the conversations and coast to coast, you know, east, west, north, south, it doesn't matter. People are shifting their investment criteria right now. And there is definitely a shift taking place. So if we were to backtrack, let's just go back four months ago. Let's just say that we were under contract four months ago on it on an asset the seller had full control and, and retrading, which means renegotiating the original price because some new information has presented. And now, you know, as a buyer, it's like, Ooh, you know what that roof after inspecting it, it is not what it's cracked up to be. We need to retrade. That was so frowned upon. And you, if you were going to retrade, you're going to get a hand slap and the market was so fiercely competitive Mm. that could actually knock you off kilter and maybe put you on a little bit of a blacklist or the naughty list, however you want to look at it. Right. (laughs) 
And now I don't know about you, but I am hearing people. I just heard, oh, we, we just retraded this and we're $600,000 reduced. Wow. And they're citing all of this. All of these type of things are taking place because of the interest rates. Right. Right. Which is what a lot of people were expecting when interest rates increased, even though nobody, even like all the smartest economists and, you know, the bond market, all of them, they didn't expect the Fed to raise rates this fast and this steeply. So this quickly. So we've just had this just huge spike and nobody really, like nobody really saw it coming. And, and so, but there is a lag, right? Like it didn't happen right away. Like this, this change in the market in, in acquisition, and it didn't happen right away. Like, I feel like it's just been, like you're saying like four months ago, that wouldn't happen. And now it seems like just in the past couple of weeks, we're even seeing it in the residential housing market and you're seeing homes staying on the market for longer, or there's like, I think, Redfin just came out with something that said that there's the the steepest number of drops in prices on homes for sale in since 2015. So we're, it's just it's just this seesaw. It's just like up and down, like it's a it really seesaw is. happening. It really is. And actually, so when you speak to the residential, my husband, he's all residential. That's his, that's his wheelhouse and, and I'm commercial. Right. It, but I do watch it because I used to be residential. And I mean, like he just, it's his thing. And it, and I'll always have an arm just looking over, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're just seeing that price reduction, price reduction, price reduction. Now what's interesting is that sellers almost universally are, I'd say actually the residential sellers are starting to catch on faster that, mm. oh, wait, we've seen this before we're ready to reduce our price or completely remove ourselves from the marketplace. Cause a lot of people have realized I spoke with some local friends who invest in small multi and they're literally like where they had two duplexes on the market and they realized they're like, mm, we missed it. So we're just going to keep them. Wow. And that's, that okay. was their, their very savvy investors. And that was, that was their personal opinion on what was taking place in our, in our market it was like, yeah. okay, well, we thought we, we just missed it. Those rate increases came yeah. out, right? Like right when we put this on the market, yeah. it, they're sitting, we're going to remove ourselves from the market. So it's interesting as you see people literally either removing themselves from the market or saying, okay, now I, I want out if they're investors, I want out now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have to reduce, but on the larger multifamily, the sellers seem to be lagging. I'm starting to see some softening on this, right? but in general, the sellers are still thinking like, no, some hedge fund's going to come by us. Blackstone's going to come by us. Somebody's going to come by, you know, somebody's, right. somebody's going to want this just as a, you know, capital preservation, you know, uh-huh. tool in their toolbox or something. Right. Right. I mean, I did, I did see that because the U S dollar is so strong, it was actually surprising. Let me say it this way. The U S dollar being so strong, it actually surprised me to see that there's more foreign buyers of real estate now Mm. than a couple of years ago, which would seem odd in on the one hand, because the U S dollar is so strong. And so that foreign currency is buying less U S dollar denominated assets but it's, we still have the most stable currency because of what's happening. And so you have all this, like, (laughs) it's so hard to keep track, which is what we were talking about before. Like, how do you, when you start to see everything, how everything affects 
something else like this. It's like a spider web, really. It's the only way Mm -hmm. I can, I can think about it is like, it's, it's at least hard for me and I'm not, I'm by no means an economist, but sometimes you can see a direct correlation. Well, this causes that, but then other things happen that might seem like, oh, that's strange that that's happening. But then there's a reason for that because, you know, and then it's like, well, what's the answer? And I, I, and and it's really hard to try to like keep track of all of it because every time we come into a new cycle of some kind and they seem to be accelerating these cycles, like there's a different economic environment, it's always unprecedented. And so it's like, I know that there are some things that hold true and yet there's always something different that's happening. How does, how do we even try to keep track of it? How do we play this game? How do we make decisions when all these things are happening all the time and half of them don't make sense? Mm. You know, what's interesting about that is that it feels very new to us, but we were talking about history and, and you're getting more into the history element of things. And when I used to homeschool my kids, we listened to this Susan Wise Brown it's called the history of the world. And it starts at the very beginning, ancient history. And then it comes to current times. It ends in right after, uh, 2001, you know, when, you know, the terrorist attacks, that's like the final point, but it's very interesting when you look at a high level, it's more like, it's like a survey class in college and you're seeing all of the, this does have a point. I promise everyone, <laughs> but you're seeing that the, you're seeing Asia, you're seeing Western culture, you're seeing Asian culture. And she, and she does a great job of saying like, over here, this is what's happening over here. This is what's happening. And as if just listening to those and it's hours worth of listening and it's very worthwhile, it just gives you this understanding that nothing, there really isn't anything new. So we assign mm-hmm. new definitions, we assign new terminology. And yeah, we do have new ways of going about it. So now we have cryptocurrency, we have these credit cards, we have this digitized world, right? And it seems so new, but the principles, the underlying principles are always unchanging and always the same. And so when you start looking at every, at the economy, for those of us who aren't economists, when I look at things at that top tier level and just say like, okay, what's the common thread here? that would be a historically common thread, right? You can start to, I feel like that has helped ground me a little more. I, and I know that that sounds really silly, but I think I've also been listening to a lot of Jocko <laughs> with my 13 year old son who loves his books. And, and in listening to that, he's always reminding me like, you know, Navy SEALs always keep it simple, keep the plan simple, right. you know? And so if we go just to the simplest form of things, it could provide some solace and maybe some clarity. We do have to get into the weeds, you know, to kind of find some solutions perhaps, but if we can actually like identify the overarching, okay, here's a common thread. Now we can catch our breath and now we can like start doing the like technical surgery stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. I think it's really important because it really is a a matter of grounding because there's so much information out there and it feels like there's so much to consider and more and more to consider every day and things come out of left field and we get sideswiped. And so where do we find that baseline that we know that these principles always hold true? So I wonder like from, from the perspective of a real estate investor, let's just talk about multiple family because we both mm-hmm. do a lot of, of multifamily, like what would that look like? And I asked because mm-hmm. when you said like you have sellers who are in, in my opinion, I heard that. And I thought that's a little bit of wishful thinking to think, well, mm-hmm. you know, because there's 
Blackstone or whomever, they still have the, you know, they, they still have to have, report. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not just like, going <laughs> to buy it. Like there's still cap rates and there's still like, there's still things that they're, they, they underwrite. And so they're not just going to come around and, and buy it. And they're probably not the ones that were just throwing money around anyway. That's an unsophisticated mm-hmm. investor that just throws money at something. So, you know, I think that if like the holding out is the, is the behavioral aspect. And so what do we want to ground into? Because Mm -hmm. everything's transitory too, right? Like Mm -hmm. everything's transitory. And one of my favorite things about real estate is that with a long enough time horizon and the illiquidity premium that we get, we're actually able to be like saved from our own emotional whims. Mm -hmm of buying and selling because we're freaking out. So how do we ground ourselves right now with this transitionary period we're in? I love that because we really have just been a bunch of high school seniors having a great time celebrating carefree because appreciation's got our back, yo. And we're just going (laughs) to have everybody, anybody could be successful, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so there were so many people that were, you know, didn't have the savvy, don't have the know-how, but they were being rescued by appreciation and by these amazing markets and everything and low interest rates. There's so many factors that were helping them out. And so as we move forward, it is absolutely critical to be, to be investing. And so we were talking about this off air. I've been creating a lot of content for my investors about now is not the time to be on the sidelines. Now is the time to be on the field playing now is a time. And, and we're not waiting for the quote 2011s coming again. No, we'll buy on the downside. We'll buy in the upside and we'll buy in every single market because we don't stop the principles of investing in real estate do are unchanging when we purchase correctly, it's going to be a solid investment regardless of what the economy is. If you, if you understand how to execute on that. And so, you know, things that we're looking for, however, like I'm not going for heavy lifts right now. I just, you know, no, thanks. I'm not going to take the heavy lift right now. I am involved in new ground up development, class a luxury housing. Mm. So it's interesting to see like, okay, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be positioning ourselves in the market? Okay. Well, we have a complete shortage of housing across the country. We could argue that maybe Austin, Texas has has a lot coming online. Okay. Maybe I could argue that, but, but, you know, in general, generally speaking, we're undersupplied. We need more housing available. So, you know, putting new units online is going to be an asset regardless of where the economy is headed. Now, if I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a heavy lift on a class C value add property, you know, heavy lift. That's not going to have the returns that I am looking for, for my investing investors should the economy turn, because everybody's going to be shifting in their housing as, you know, as we have an economy that starts to constrict a bit. Now we're going to have people that, okay, well, I'm not buying a house. So, you know what, you know what, honey, we're not buying the house. Let's just, let's get that really nice apartment. So it can just feel homier. Mm, let's do mm-hmm, that instead mm-hmm. since we can't afford the house or right. So the thinking behind the residents that are moving into apartments 
and the movement within the apartment classes is very interesting as well. And that has to be considered. And so opportunities for me, it's where is it stable right now? I'm not looking for some crazy play. I'm personally looking for where is it stable? What's my runway on our financing so that we we have the runway that's going to withstand and how we capitalize for everything that's going to take place. And when we take these things into consideration, we can move forward confidently with our investing, but people on the sidelines, they're losing. Like if you're on the side, if you're listening to this right now, And you have money sitting on the sidelines because you are afraid you are literally losing Mm -hmm. money. That hundred thousand dollars that you might have ready to invest at the end of the year is going to be worth $92,000 or less all because it's sitting there. So it's like you you're either gaining and growing or you're losing. There's no in between right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate like the way that, that you think about things, because, you know, if there is that fear, if there is that fear, gosh, I'm afraid to make the wrong investment. Then I think, you know, the, the answer to fear, which is emotional, obviously, like maybe some irrationality there is to just kind of dive into the mental side of things, the rational aspect and, and look at the underwriting and maybe ask the, like, ask the questions, like, you know, why, why does this make sense? And so like the number one thing, and you said it right at the beginning is we're still so vastly undersupplied. I mean, like there, we're nowhere near in terms of housing, like whether it's multifamily or, or single family, whether it's rental or, 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 you know, personal residential, there's still a massive undersupply. And then, and then because of some of this uncertainty in the market currently, you have home builders that aren't, plant, like even they are not planning to necessarily bring more online faster because they got caught in the last downturn. So they're a little hesitant to bring a bunch of of new supply online at the same pace that they were doing it before. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's this, I think it's like this overarching hesitancy and yet what it's causing is a consistent lack of supply and mm-hmm. in addition to what you mentioned too, the interest rates are really the thing that, that is driving pretty much everything right now, because as these interest rates have gone up, you know, the, the affordability issue has gotten worse. And so, you know, I was having a conversation with, with an investor the other day and they were saying, well, you know, why would somebody rent if in this one area when they could buy a, like, let's say like the, the, the price per door in this property is like call it 160, but they could buy a home for 220 mm-hmm. or 230 or something like that. And I said, well, and so the mortgage, and I said, yeah, but I understand that. But first of all, there's renters by choice and there's more of them than ever. Yeah. I mean, so many more than ever. And secondly, you still have to put a forty six, forty thousand dollars down payment on a $220,000, home. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other piece of the pie, which is where's somebody going to get that money unless they exited something else or they've been saving, which hasn't really been the case. And so right. even though it, it might seem to, to some, to some of us, we think, why would you rent when you could buy something over here? That's so much cheaper. Well, it's also not the same thing just because we're buying a price per door at 160 is very vastly different than buying a home over here for 220 or 230 but it's also behavioral i mean everything everything shifted and 
So it comes down to supply, it comes down to interest rates, and then it also just comes down to really personal lifestyle preferences. Yeah. When you're looking at, yeah, those are all, I love that, all of it, a million percent. And then when you think about if we're investing, we need to be investing wisely and interest rates are only one facet to making a good solid opportunity. And so when we're looking at an investment, we're not just looking at, because we could have a really great investment with a really low interest rate, but maybe the financing is really weak or maybe the team behind it, the, you know, the sponsor team, maybe they're weak, maybe they're not going to be able to execute. And so like, the interest rate is one factor. And when we look at historical interest rates, my good golly, our rates are still so freaking low. (laughs) And we have to keep that in mind and remember that, you know, the last recession that was, people are saying that this is going to be a similar, they're saying what we're going into is akin to 1981. Mm. I don't know if you've that I've heard a lot of references paralleling those two recessions because it was brought on not because we were going to go into a reception, but it's more induced because of people's behavior. And so we have to be mindful of not making those fear-based choices of guarding our mind and saying, okay, sure. It looks like this is black and white, like little wizard of Ozzy, but we can go into technicolor and it's all going to be okay. It's going to work out, but knowledge is power. And we were talking about that and how critical it is to make sure that we're educated so that we understand and we're confident that education get builds our confidence in taking that very next step. So like on your, your deal that you guys are, you know, currently have like, man, your investors, the more knowledge that they gain, the more confidence they're having, just like my investors is like, okay, I want my investors to be so confident in whatever I present to them from now until the end of the year, especially, but that's, that's a short horizon. I always want them to be confident, but in this time of uncertainty, I want to feed them knowledge so that they're like, okay, we're ready. We're not going to be on the sidelines losing money. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's the confidence piece. So on the confidence piece, I think so much of everything is based on our confidence and the knowledge gives us confidence and the experience gives us confidence. And I find, you know, whether it's me personally or, or, you know, there's like a lot of people that I talk to and, and lately it's like a lot of women, I'm, I'm really like engaged with mm-hmm. women and in, in, in getting them to this to get beyond maybe some mental barriers about what they're capable of doing, of being investors, of understanding certain concepts, because they're really not, it's at their core level, like you were saying, like the baseline things that we really need to know, they're not that difficult to understand, like, yeah, like truly. And so what I found in my own journey of like, the more I get educated about something that I thought maybe a while ago was like, oh, I could never understand that. Like, like really complex economics, let's say, or how things work or historical economics. And, and, and like, the more you get into it, the more you realize, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I got this. Like, oh, I can, I can do this. And then the confidence comes up and then the confidence builds to allow us to look at a deal and say, you know what, I actually know which questions to ask and why I'm asking those okay. questions. So I'm not just looking at what's the rate of return, right? Like what's the IRR? Like, no, that I'm not yeah. actually interested in what the IRR is. And so that level of confidence, I think, is also the antidote to the fear of, 
oh, everything's really turbulent right now. The stock market's going down. And, you know, people are like the media is telling us all these things about how to be afraid. And so I'm going to sit it out. And then you miss out on really solid opportunities because you don't have the confidence because you don't have the knowledge and all those pieces go together so that the fear piece is actually like, oh, there's that fear thing again, but I'm not going to listen to it. And it, it comes up and I, I would say maybe we're in a similar position on that because I don't know that you did this, but I think I spent two weeks. I told I've mentioned this to my husband a couple of times. I'm reading untethered soul right now, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic, everyone, <laughs> everyone needs to read it. It is like, it's right so, here. I have this book It's it, on my bookshelf. It's such a wonderful book. I, I think it just, everyone needs to read this book. And I think actually really right now, everyone needs to read this book mm-hmm. because it really helps you understand yourself. And I realized actually through reading this is I had my head in the sand for like two weeks, two weeks. I should have given myself like Mel Robbins. I should have had like a five second rule on that and (laughs) and all of that. But I gave it like for two weeks, I was like, (laughs) what's happening in the marketplace. (laughs) And so if you're listening to this and you're like, it's scary out there and all of that. I mean, like, to be honest, everyone's making their adjustments right now, even experienced people that, yeah. And then I kind of got a three stooges little, you know, slap across the face. Like, you know, no, no, wait, wait, what are you doing? You know what you're doing, you know, but that came through knowledge that I was like, started doing some research because right. I don't like fear. I don't mm-hmm. like fear having control over mm-hmm. me and over my life. Like I want to punch it in the face. It's just reality. Like get out of my life fear. Cause you, you don't bring the best into my life. You right. rob me of joy. You rob me of the stillness that I can have and choose to have. And so I'm not going to choose to invite you into my life. And I am going to punch you in the face by getting knowledge. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not, I'm not a violent person, but you know, it's like, you just don't yeah. want something like that controlling your life. Cause it's not going to enhance your life at all. And so as I started gaining knowledge and doing more research, because I'm not an economist. And so looking at people that I can respect and say, what are they seeing? Oh, okay. This isn't that bad. And then looking at our own personal history. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was born in the seventies, like I've lived through things. I've seen things I've lived through a war. I've lived, I'm like, yeah, you know what? we're all tougher than we give ourselves credit for. And we've all lived in not just lived, but we've probably even thrived through times of uncertainty. And so going back to that and saying, what am I made of and what got me through that? And how am I going to apply this to our current situation and gaining that knowledge, finding people that have the the knowledge that's leveled up from yours, that might not be what you want to hear, but that will educate you so that you can at least like, kind of like, a, okay. It's like a diagnosis when you go to a doctor that maybe you don't want to have, it's like, okay, yeah, that sucks. But now we know what we can do about it. And here's my personal treatment plan. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to just add in there and then I'm going to, I'm going to catch a breath and let you. <laughs> no, no, there's, uh, you brought so much, so many good points up. Like actually the, like the analogy with the doctor, it's like, it's always worse when you don't know what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And then when you do know, you know what you're dealing with. So now you can have a plan of action. It's, it's really, it's really so much, it's really so much the same thing. And, and, and like getting that knowledge base from people who dedicate their whole lives 
and decades of it at this point, right? Some great economists and, and like having different perspectives because there's also, you know, there's also a lot of opinions there, but like we, the, the fear thing for me, and I know we think a lot of like, I mean, you have your podcast is called the conscious investor. So I know obviously (laughs) like you're you're very like deep into this stuff as well. So like, there's the intuition piece, right? There's the spirit piece. There's the, you know, heart and soul piece of it. And and then there's the rational piece of it, which is that combination of both when when we are investing. I find that to be of such importance, like, and and fear being such a primal emotion. And most of the time it's driven by a thought because true fear is only fear of heights or fear of falling rather. I think it's like fear of falling and loud noises are only two biological fears. All other fears are actually thoughts that we've been taught over time and and conditioned. So knowing that, then, Mm -hmm. you know, all, everything else is something that at least for me in my worst moments of when my stomach is in a knot and, you know, when I want to like completely capitulate on something like relative to investing, where I have to take like several deep breaths and usually several days and then go back to the information, go back to the knowledge. And a lot of times that the historical that we've been talking about is really helpful because you see that just like in nature, everything's cyclical. It's a cycle. There are cycles. And so you can say like, if it's the stock market, right. It's, uh, it's just a bear market. Seen it so many times. Right. And in real estate, honestly, right now it's not bad. Like, let's be honest, like it's not bad. And somehow there's this transposition of what's going on in the Mm. stock market and in like crypto markets, like it's getting transposed onto real estate. I was talking to a um, all investing, all investing is trash now. Apparently it's like, like, no, 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 this is why we invest in real estate. I don't have to talk anyone off a ledge of my investors. Mm-hmm. They're getting their distributions. Everything is on track. Yeah. There's reserves. There's like, it's, it's like, I'm not talking anyone off a ledge, mm-hmm. but they might be sitting out and be, because there's this other giant fear atmosphere of, of fear. And so to your point, let's bring it back to some like rational analysis. Let's look at our plan, right? Like even like, what was my plan at the beginning of the year? What's my five year? What's my 10 year? You know, whatever it is, come back to center and yourself come back mm-hmm. to your financial plan, go look at the analytics of something. And if you have money that you want to invest and you come across something that looks solid, then really deeply explore it. Don't let fear be the thing that sits you on the sidelines. Mm. You know, Michael Neal, and I'm sure you've read his books, his work. I love Michael Neal so much. Um, but I actually he, haven't. No, what's his book? So oh my gosh. I highly recommend Super Coach. Oh, okay. and actually he has a whole entire section. One chapter is on money mindset. Okay. But I highly recommend this book to anyone that is looking to, you know, just thrive, live a thriving life. It's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. But on his podcast, it's called Caffeine for the Soul. They're very short vignettes, basically anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And He regularly talks about that we are a product of our thinking. Mm -hmm. The world around us is a product of our thinking. And so sure, there could be a bear market in the stock market, but how we're going to receive Mm -hmm. that and internalize that and then take action upon that is all based upon our own thinking that surrounds that. And so it's critical that we take control of that brain space so that we are, that our actions are aligning because if we have an overarching vision for where we want our life to go and Mm -hmm. 
I am confident having listened to your podcast that, you know, that you amazing listeners are, are thinking bigger than just day to day. And when we can remind ourselves, oh, wait, wait, this is right now, this is a day to day, but this is where I'm headed. And of course, naturally there are going to be some bumps along the road as I head there, but that's okay. And if your eyes are set and your thinking and your visualization is set upon that final product, that that grander destination of your different identities and who you're growing into and what you're contributing to the world, these circumstances that surround us are just circumstances. And you're going to make choices that are aligned with your grander thinking versus now. So like just controlling that thought process is Mm -hmm. so critical. Wow. I love that so much. That's the grounding. <laughs> like that's that the, is grounding. the grounding. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. That, that is the grounding. And I will tell you, like, I think that's what brought me out of that two weeks Yeah. was I went back. Here they are. I keep them in my planner. I have paper. If he, I don't know if this ever goes <laughs> like you do clips, but if you're listening to this, I am holding up my goals that are double-sided, mm-hmm. but I set out, I know I have a plan and they're, they're not goals like, okay, X, Y, Z necessarily. They're like, mm-hmm. what's the life vision? Yeah. What's my life vision about? Where do I want to see my kids ages are written here. What we want to do. Like well, they're going to be that old. What does that look like? And so looking at life on a grander scheme of things and then going back to it, not just setting it and forgetting it, but revisiting that on a day in day out basis grounds you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, like to your point, right. I, I was thinking when you were saying like you had those two weeks, it also occurred to me to say, it's okay to have those two weeks. Right. Right. It's okay. It's okay to have a bad yeah. day or a couple, a couple of weeks, or even like, sometimes we get in a like month. a funk. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay. You'll come out of it. Right. It's like every, it's like, again, like you, you come out of it. I think the really important thing there is that awareness. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you do this. I do this a lot when I find that I'm, I've found myself in some kind of a funk or weird mental spiral. And sometimes I can find like, sometimes it's like a couple hours and sometimes it's a lot longer. I actually take a step back from it. And I think like, mm, what is behind this? That mm. is, why am I feeling this way? Like, cause usually it's like, it's emotional or like, why am I thinking this? And then it's, where did it come from? And I have to trace it back. And it's not that hard to trace back. I think at least for me, I, I, I do this all the time. And then I can identify like, oh, this, maybe it's a comment that somebody made and it triggered mm-hmm. something much deeper, or it's that I've been spending too much time on finance, Twitter, or, you know, wherever, you know, or, you know, what it, what is it that is actually the root cause of this? And sometimes it's something bigger and, but most of the time it's something triggered a fear in me, or I got caught up in somebody else's fear. It's not even mine. Yes, mine. I don't even believe that. Like I said, I'm not right. talking anyone off a ledge. What am I worried about? Real estate. Right. It's great. Like the, the, and, yep. and so I have to get, and that's how I sometimes ground myself too. It is like, what am I caught up in? And, mm-hmm. and, and that, and that really has also helped me. So I do that in addition to the grounding and knowledge of, okay, here's all this fear FUD over here. Let me go find some real information that helps me contextualize it and say, there's nothing to this that I should actually concern myself with. I love that. 
I definitely can relate to this. I was, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. It's the equivalent of Twitter, right? You know, where you're like, <laughs> LinkedIn is my happy spot and, and the conversations are so elevated. And yes. I, I was definitely, and that was where, when I was going through that thought process, I'm like, where is this coming from? Oh, people are chattering about this on LinkedIn and it makes for a really good conversation, but I got overdosed in it. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said like, it's okay to give yourself space to breathe. And that is something where it is a learned behavior. I, I thoroughly believe that's something you have to learn. I remember I was giving myself permission literally kind of a little Bryn Brown type thing, you know, like, I'm just going to give myself permission. This is okay. This is natural. I just need, I don't need to rush myself through this. Yeah. It is wise for me as an investor who, you know, brings investors into investments. It's important that I'm grounded before I guide people for it. So finding that grounding and ensuring that grounding for myself means that my investors who are, like if I, that is why I do what I do a million percent, the only reason I do what I do is because I want to support people in growing their finance, you know, their financial yeah. well-being and health. And so it's like, okay, if I'm not healthy, mm-hmm. I can't guide them. So let me get myself grounded, give myself permission to do this, identify that. And now I can go back and guide them. Now I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was a fun, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. But it definitely makes for a different thinking and tethered soul. If you are wrestling with any of this, definitely read tethered soul. I mean, he's talking Mm -hmm. about the blocks, what I was Mm -hmm. reading this morning and, and we create so many blocks for ourselves instead of just sitting with it. So I'm proud of myself for sitting with it and just letting it be because instead I was, instead of facing that resistance and, and just resisting it, little turning pro style, you know, it's like, we're all going to face resistance. Just embrace the resistance. Just embrace mm. it. Don't resist. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not going to be forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It's not going to, it's not going to be, it's not going to be forever. And I love that you brought up health because you completely, you preempted my next question, which was, which was going to be around like, you know, what does like, what does health mean to you? And what does that look like to you? Like in, in terms of, of, of health? Yeah, that's a really critical question. Cause why should we invest? Why should we try to build this life? That's worth like, what is a life worth living if you're not healthy, mm-hmm. but that health has to transcend your physical well being, And so I'm a physically vibrant, you know, middle-aged woman and everything, but am I internally healthy? Am I emotionally healthy? Am I emotionally grounded? And so, you know, so often we want to separate physical from, you know, our emotional, spiritual well-being. And it really is like, if you really want to experience the richness and fullness of life, you have to have all, all elements healthy. And that means slowing down Uh, earlier this summer. I had a good friend reach out to me. Hey, we're going to be in your area we want, you know, can we come stay? They've stayed with us before and we're in the middle of a remodel. I have a lot of things going on. There was just so much going on. I couldn't wrap my head around. Normally I'm a spontaneous last minute, but I was, you know, looking at, okay, no, I need to preserve my health. I need to keep harmony. I need to. And I said, I love you. I'm in a position right now where I can't. And Mm -hmm. so that's a health position, right. And maintaining that health. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's really everything. I'm so glad you brought that up because it, it does transcend physical wellness. And, and, you know, that's obviously like a really, a really big piece, but being able to set the boundary, especially with people setting that's boundaries, so hard. With people, it's so hard because it's <sighs> like that fear comes up again. Like what totally. if they hate me? And what if they'll, you know, like all of those little stories come, come back in. And yet, like, if we don't honor our own boundaries, like if we don't do that for ourselves, no one's going to do it for us. Like no one can read our minds to think like, Oh, you know, maybe that's a lot for, for them right now. We just, we love you so much. We want to see you. And, and Mm -hmm. so it's, it's a big thing. I think it's, it's really challenging. It's challenging for us to say no to someone else, but in doing so, we're saying yes to ourselves is actually like the more important person, especially in times of somewhat duress, right? Like a home under remodel. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you, know, you can't even come over. It's a, for lot. A, minute. <laughs> like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it always takes longer than you, you know, I always plan for that. I've done it a few times now, but I'm like, this time is different. And, and just like the, so really I'm experiencing my own, you know, economic cycle, my own bear market in my home. And it really, those things translate. And so finding, I'm going to encourage people, little homework for you is, is find those spaces in life where you're experiencing friction Mm -hmm. and look how you're thriving in it or not. I've had my ups and downs and I literally have told my husband, like I was at my breaking point. Cause I've been pushing hard in my business. I was at my breaking point And now I feel like I am broken and to allow myself that space to speak the truth that's within me to tell somebody what that is so that I'm not alone. And I've actually said that to a couple of close friends, like, Hey, I just need you to know, like, I'm in this weird spot, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for two weeks, I'm in this like weird spot of how do I navigate this? But I, I know better than to navigate it alone right. because I did that. And that put me in a very dark suicidal path in my tw- early twenties. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you learn like, or I learned like, okay, that's not healthy. That's not how I ever want to be again. I'll be forthright and, mm-hmm. and own this and own what this looks like. And then you move on, you yeah. move on, but you can use everything that I'm learning from the house can be translated into, yeah. you know, how you invest, how you go about yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's like a lesson that we can, mm-hmm. that we can bring forward. If we see, if we go find like the gift, right. The, the gift in the, in the thing that was also such, such a challenge. And so we'll I have one last question for you. Yes. And, and that is what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is the richness of life. Mm. So it's not defined by dollars or cents. And we've assigned that value. That's an, that's a value that we as a culture have assigned so that we can make ourselves feel better or we can label. It's so much easier. And that's our alligator brain. That's just how it is. So, you know, Mm -hmm. old alligator brain just wants to find the easy path out. And so I like to step away from saying, is it money? Is it this monetary? Is it currency that can be traded? Is that the commodity? Mm -hmm. But to me, the actual wealth is full relationships and contribution to the world. So great. How are your relationships with your partner and with the people that you say you love so much? Because so so often we toss that around. I hear people say their quote, why is their family all the time? And it's like, 
if you're wiser family, then I'd show mm-hmm. me how, show me, show me how that translates in your day to day. I want to see your why in action. Mm-hmm. So I, I push back on that particular why. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if, so that wealth is okay. I have harmony in my relationships. That does not mean perfection. It doesn't mean there isn't any friction. Right. There's always, there should be friction at the moment. There's not friction in a relationship. I think there's a problem because you should be spurring each other on, in my opinion, <laughs> it could just be me, <laughs> but, but you know, and then that contribution to the world, we were not designed and created to be here in this world, walking this, this segment of the timeline on history, going back full circle to just simply be complacent enjoying the amazing cocktails my husband makes <laughs> and beautiful sunsets over the mountain range that I have a panoramic view of. Like right. there's more to life than just me and my little nest that I have. So mm-hmm. that to me is wealth. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's huge actually. As I think, as I think about it, it's, it's personal and it's also an invitation to everyone to really think about that wealth as I guess like a wealth of potential of like, you're like your inner potential. Like you said, like Mm. enjoying that cocktail and enjoying the view. What if, what if wealth was an exploration of our potential? And, and, and I kind of, I love living in that place. Like what else can I do? Like what, like what more is there? And there's always more, which is actually the, the thing that I've learned for myself that I used to think it was bad to want more. Like there's something about wanting more that was not okay for me. And now I really embrace it when I think I do want more, whatever that is, it can be anything. It just in whatever. general. And it can be money. Yeah. I'm not of afraid of money. Why not? I like money. <laughs> I, love I like money. I like the things that money can bring into life. Okay. 100%. And it brings ease. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so let's just, yeah, let's say that yeah. money isn't a great thing at all. But, but when I think of the overarching wealth, that's definitely it. And that I love how you're talking about that potential. When we redefine what, like, with my definition of wealth, it's untapped. It's always, always evolving, which means life is a continual evolution, this adventure of what's next. I mean, you've written a book, you have a podcast, you have a a mastermind community you have, right? Like that's what happens when we're (laughs) pursuing contribution. We're we're constantly giving and we're evolving to me. Does it get any richer than that? It doesn't, it just keeps growing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There is, there's the, what more, what more, what more, what more. And then it's like bringing more people into the fold. And then that creates that abundance of people and relationships and community. And so then, then we're there that, and then like, we're always like, we're always in it. Yeah. I feel like we could have like whole two, three hour, big spiritual conversation. I feel like we did like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs type of a triangle. We just got to the top and we need to go up into the, into the rest of the downward, like the whole spiritual upside down triangle that Maslow actually went into. But anyways, we can have that conversation next time. Thank you so much for coming. I've such enjoyed this conversation with you. you so much. It's so great to know that you're out there doing what you're doing and and really caring about and and educating and trying to build the confidence in your investors so that they have that going forward in everything that they do. So thank you for everything that you bring to the world and everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. And those listening, you should definitely listen to Adapia. She rocks it. She's (laughs) over on the conscious investor podcast. We had a a whole, if you like this conversation, you'll love that conversation. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>